Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Prepare for launch in 3, 2, 1. Identify yourself. It's your boy MC Brooks, Sylvia Rhyme Killer, the most incredible. Bring you guys another great edition of the Breakbeat. Again, I'm your host, the mic, mic controller, master of ceremonies, MC Brooks. Um, had a little bit of a mishap just now. Um, got a new theme song. Unfortunately, it looks like I uploaded the instrumental as opposed to the actual song itself, which is kind of crap. But, um, you know, it happens. just means you guys will have to wait two weeks to actually hear the regular version. Or I could just upload it to SoundCloud, and you guys can go tune in and um, listen that way. Um, Got a jam-packed show for you tonight, but we're going to chill. Tonight's going to be kind of a a laid-back... edition gonna kind of switch the style up a little bit um tonight uh it's black atheist roll call so all my not black non-believers out there uh feel free to call in 310-982-4283 to get through and uh excuse me 4273 to get through come on share your story you know, I, I, I'd love to hear it. Part of what inspired me to want to do this is um, another expression of solidarity. You know, everyone has a story to tell. And I feel like, you know, all people really need is an ear that'll listen. Share your story. Share your experiences. That's how we build connections and eventually build community. You start small and then it expands. And so part of why I wanted to do the show that I'm doing tonight is to do exactly that. So I'm going to talk, uh, I'm going to share my story a little later, but I'm going to do it in two ways. Um, 
I'm going to actually play a song from my upcoming project, Lines to Stripes, Rhymes to Mics, Volume 3, tonight, um, that actually kind of talks about how I came, how, how, how my non-belief came about in depth. So um, that'll take place uh, a little bit later on in the show. So I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk, I'm going to play the song, and then I'm going to kind of go into a little bit more detail. Because unfortunately, you know, as most writers and most musicians know, there's only but so much you can really compact into a three to four minute track. Um, so I'm going to definitely do that later on in the show. Um, in the meantime, again, um, feel free to call in and you guys can call in um, a little bit later. In the meantime, we're going we're gonna to start off by um, playing, um, you know, going through our normal normal progression, you know, as things normally go around here. So we're going to start out with our, our announcements. Um, first and foremost, check the archives. Go back in history. We had, uh, we had four really amazing shows that took place um, last week. Uh, we had Descent in the Feminist Community, which is hosted by our very own Kim. We had uh, a, 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 some mixed topics with Raina on the RSS feed, which is all, always fascinating. We had Respectability Politics with Alfred and Carl, which, um, you know, I kind of touched on a little bit in the last edition of the Breakbeat. And then we had the educate, excuse me, Education to Prison Pipeline, which had Vita, Emmalin, Muhammad, and a, and, a, and a slew of other folks as part of a panel discussion um, that spoke about the education, the prison pop, pop, uh, excuse me, pipeline. So make sure you go back, check the archives. We had plenty of great shows that took place over the last week and plenty of great shows um, that took place even further back than that. So if you missed an, if you missed an episode of the Breakbeat or you missed uh, any one of the episodes that we have here on Black Freethinkers, you can go back on the website or you can, uh, excuse me you can look us up on iTunes. You know, play us in your car, play us for your girlfriend, play us at your wedding. Well, maybe not your wedding, but play us. You know, that's what we're here for. Using what we do to educate the people. Um, I have two things. I kind of want to get into a little bit before I, I jump right into the hot topics that uh, have been going on the last couple of days. Um, first of all, I want to I, I want to publicly um, acknowledge all of you who are listening, and I want to publicly acknowledge those who will listen and and those who know what's been going on with me in the past uh, two weeks but in my personal life. Um, it's been really, 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 really trying time, and I just really wanted to, to let everyone know on there that I, I appreciate all the love that, that's been shown to me. Um, it's been a trying time for me and my family. Um, fortunately, uh, my mother is doing well, so, you know, things are, things are beginning to look up, but... Um, it's been a rough couple weeks, and I really haven't posted much or participated much or as much as I normally do in the Facebook and Twitter sphere um, as I normally do 
just because, you know, there's been a lot that's going on. So I, I just wanted to publicly say thank you. Everything is is appreciated. And, I mean, I would just give each and every one of you a giant bear hug if I could. But can't, mostly because y'all ain't here. Or y'all might have something. In which case, you wouldn't get a hug just like uh, a wave, you know, from, like, couple feet away yeah but anyway so um that that i just wanted to make sure i put that out there in the universe you know special thanks special thanks to my bft family you know to my my homies at at grand unified um all my homies in my my personal life and like i said just I, i i very much i very very much appreciate uh everything um that that all the love that i've been showing in the past um, week, two weeks. Okay, now I've got that out the way. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about our next episode. In two weeks, I'm going to have a pretty spectacular show planned. It's it's a show on a topic that really has not, as far as I know, has never really been discussed uh, on this network. And... I'm going to talk about otaku culture, blurred culture, here on the air. Um, In case you're unfamiliar, an otaku is someone who is into Japanese anime. Um, I've been an otaku for years. I I, I love anime. I love video games. You know, I totally nerded out. I've been going to conventions ever since I was 17 years old. I've been going to them since 2005 when I went to my first convention. Um, So in two weeks, um, I kind of want to dive into that subject because dealing with minorities in a minority is is always kind of a fascinating topic to discuss. And otaku culture is is always interesting from from many different angles. And there's always a lot to unpack. You know, um, it's one of those cultures that you you don't you think everyone is accepting and everything is is kind of cool, but you know, beneath, excuse me, beneath the surface, you find that there are issues on a multitude of levels that often don't get discussed or don't get discussed or brought up at all. Um, so in two weeks, that's what we're going to discuss. I'm going to have a panel on. Uh, I've got a couple guests already lined up. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic show. I thoroughly encourage you all to listen in, to share, and you know, even call in, just in case you are unfamiliar or you don't really know anything about it. In which case, I would suggest to you, you know, do some research or just, you know, listen. Best way to learn, just by giving a listening ear. With no judgments, no shade, no anything. Um, prime example of this would be this past weekend uh, I was in Baltimore for an anime convention, and uh, a good someone I've been very good friends with via the internet um, lives in Baltimore now, and we decided to actually link up uh, while I was up there. You know, finally, you know, hang out, meet face to face. Excuse me, face to face. And actually talk, and you know, hang out. 
So it did. Um, we finally got to we got together, um, had a whole bunch of laughs. It's a great time. It's a really, really, really great time. Um, after or while I was walking her back to her apartment or wherever she was going, um, she decided to ask me something that she's always wanted to ask me, but she never got around to. Or she never thought she was able, she was going to be able to do without interrupting. And she asked me about my atheism. You know, like why do I why don't I believe in God? You know, why do I why why am I against religion? You know, why do I you know openly critique the Abrahamic faiths uh, so much? And she told me that, you know, she wasn't going to respond or interrupt. She just wanted to listen. And she just wanted to kind of get an understanding. And, like, that really resonated with me. Because I feel like that, above anything else, is absolutely what is needed. More understanding. Less less attacks. Less getting at people more understanding because at the end of the day we're all people and lots of us despite our religious or political differences you know we have a lot of the same issues you know break it down to we're all skin and bones we all fuck fight eating shit the same way and like I once she asked me this, I responded and I gave her detailed answers and I and I made sure to present my answers in such a way that I would not cause offense or and I would not um I would not come off as I'm better than because I feel like oftentimes when we have the these dialogues between atheists and theists, um Far, far too often, on one side of the equation, we don't know how to speak to each other while being respectful of their beliefs. Like, even just by nature of calling something sky daddy, often can come can come off as insulting. You know, we're all adults, and we we should all be able to speak to each other as adults. You know, which is why when I when I engage in these conversations, I try to use as much respectful language as possible. You know, I may say something like "sky daddy" or whatever when I'm around homies or whatever, but for the most part, I try to be respectful in these conversations because I don't want to I don't want to misrepresent myself, and I don't want what I have to say be misrepresented. You know, I've said this. Far too, uh, way too many times for me to have to say it again. But language is important. Words are important. What you say and how you say something are everything. You can say something and present it in a, in, a, in a way that's not favorable, and your whole point can be missed. That's exactly why you have to be careful with the language that you choose. And I try that. And at the end of 
our conversation after I, you know, I, she asked me everything she wanted to ask. You know, she understood, or at least I felt like she she understood, and understood better than any way I probably could have written it out or texted. You know, for me, as far as the religious aspect is uh, concerned, it, it's not about trying to deconvert or or anything like that. It's not about that for me. For me, I just want them to understand. I because I do understand. I've I've been a Christian. I I, I can understand what what attracts people to some of these faiths. I can understand how some of the text and what they read makes you know makes sense to them. I can understand that. And it's because I can understand that I know that I have to approach it a certain way. You know, you can't be disrespectful if you want someone to understand and to be respectful. You know, they say respect is earned, and that's how it is in the even in these debates. It's earned. You have to be respectful and give a respectful tone. So I don't, I don't, I don't go after. I don't argue. None of that. Just have. I just simply converse, and I guarantee as. And I use myself as evidence and what I've learned over the last couple of years. Just by simple conversation you can you can open more minds than you do when you're trolling Facebook statuses or trolling tweets. I mean, trolling can be fun. It can also be informative. But far too often whatever point you're trying to make will be lost in the sauce. Completely lost. So that being said, let's uh let's jump a little bit let's jump a little bit into our hot topics here. Got a slew of things that I definitely definitely want to bring up. Um <laughs> I've got let's see, I've got about five or six things queued up here. Let's see how many we can run through right quick. Excuse me. We can start off with um, this one right here. Um, in Tennessee, Nashville to be specific, a judge ruled that a baby had to change its first name from Messiah to Martin just for the simple fact that no one except Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Therefore, his name has to be changed. Now... I was a, I was late coming to this story. I, I saw this come across my Facebook feed a handful of times. I ignored it for the mo- or not ignored it, but I just kind of scrolled over it because just by the, the the tagline, I knew that if I read it, I was probably going to be pissed off, and I didn't want to be pissed off, so I just I didn't bother with it. So. Um, so, with that being said, a couple days ago, um, I actually decided to, you know, finally read this story. And the story, as I expected, pissed me off. And it pissed me off just because courts should not have the power to do that, to tell someone that their name 
they're, they're, they're not good enough to be named that. You know, it, it kind of go for me. It, this kind of speaks uh, a bit to respectability politics. You know, you're not respectable enough to have this name, despite the fact that even if Jesus Christ actually existed, he does not hold a monopoly on Messiah or what Messiah means. Because nine out of ten times, folks name their child for a name that a they like and b has a, has a meaning to it. And, and I don't understand how a judge feels like they have the authority to to order a name change. I mean, for one thing, the order should be thrown out right off the bat, just for the simple fact that, just for the simple fact that. A judge should not be emotionally invested in this case, meaning whatever whatever the issue was regarding, you know, between the the parents, which is why they were there, um, should have focused on that. Instead, you, you get in your feelings and you want you order this child to have his name changed, which is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. There's, there was absolutely no need for that judge to go there. But it just, what it really just speaks to, again, like I said, respectability politics. You know, the baby does not respectful of it, and so you change it to Martin, you know, against, you know, the parents' wishes. But here's the interesting thing. Uh, one of the interesting things I found is that Messiah is actually a relatively popular baby name. In fact, it was number four um, on the list of, like, baby names in 2012. You know? So I was kind of, I was kind of surprised at that, 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 that Messiah was, was gaining popularity. But I feel like if you allow, if you allow this, if you allow judges to be able to, to do this, where do you draw the line? Like, why is his name? Why can't we, you know, I feel like if 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 this is how we're going to go, then what we need then we need to take it a step further. Let's ban Neveha. You know, people who spell their who give the child the name heaven backwards. Or why don't we why don't we we why don't we um get rid of Christian, you know? We can give we can give it we can give it a Christian. Like, where do you draw the line? You don't. And, and if we allow the stuff like this to happen, you know, we're they're, they're never going to draw the line. You know, parents name their children not up to the judge. It's not the judge's child. The judge doesn't have the authority to rename a child. It's not, and it's not their, it's not their, it's not their, it's not in their, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not their place to even impose their faith in this case. You have to deal with whatever the case is, not deal with the child's name. You know? If you do that, why don't you get rid of Emmanuel, another biblical name, or John, Mary, 
These are all Ruth, Esther. These are biblical figures. Where do you draw the line? You don't. They're not going to draw the line. That's 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 why stuff like this shouldn't even be allowed to happen in the first place. I hope those parents sue. I really do. I hope they sue, and I hope they get. I hope they not only get to change the name back to Messiah, but they get any money or damages or whatever the case that they get from it, because that's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. Speaking of ridiculous, <clears throat> a story I actually I actually read this uh, right before I came on there. It's another story uh, that had been kind of floating across Facebook, but I hadn't actually gotten the chance to to read it um, due to me being me kind of still recovering from my weekend. Um, down in Atlanta, there is a black teenager. His name is Anthony Stokes who needs a heart transplant because he has he has an enlarged heart. So uh, at the moment, he has roughly about six months to live, which is why he needs the transplant. Now, for some reason, for some reason, for, for some reason, a council decided... Nah, this guy ain't good enough to have his life to have his life saved. So it was denied. They denied they denied this 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 child. They denied they denied his his heart transplant. And this caused an uproar on the internet, as you would expect. But this 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 particularly struck a curve with me. Because, stuck a chord with me for the simple fact that this, this again goes to respectability politics, and it also speaks to again how much black life is valued or not valued here in this, here in America. I I I just I just don't understand or don't know what it's going to take for for you know many other people to really really get fed up black life is is not valued my life my sisters my parents my friends the rest of my family my neighbors people i work with their lives aren't valued they they never have been here and it just it just goes to show right here that it, it that even if you are what's the word I'm looking for a vagrant or a problem child or you may not have the best grades at school you know you may get in trouble a lot you may be a loudmouth you know you may like to to not listen to your parents you know stuff that kids do you may do all of that. And at the end of the day, that's enough. That's enough for them to say, well, you know what? You don't deserve to live. You don't deserve the opportunity to change your life around and eventually go do something with it. You don't deserve that opportunity. 
you've thrown that all away. Before you've even really had a chance to live. 15 is is not that old. 15, you're just starting to, to discover your likes, dislikes. Thinking about what you may want to do when you're older. Just goes to show that even things that you cannot control, such as having an enlarged heart or some other type of medical condition that your life is not valued, that that it doesn't matter to them at all. It doesn't matter. Your life is not of value. You're not worth being saved, you know. When Noah is packing the animals onto the ark, he's going to leave you behind because you don't, you aren't good enough. The bar is here, and you just don't reach that. I don't know how many, I don't know how many, how many times you know I, I, I see national, national you know commercials and attention brought to, you know an eight-year-old white kid who, 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 who needs a lung or something. But yet, 15-year-old black child who needs a heart because he has six months to live, nah, yeah, he's lived enough. He'd probably be dead by 18. The more I think about this, the angrier I get. And the angrier I get, the more I start to I start to feel like I'm sort of drifting into this weird space where when something happens to white children, I, I may not feel all that sad about it. I don't want to feel that way because I don't want to be desensitized, and I do believe that all all human life, regardless of how good or bad a person is, is of value. I do believe that. But hearing, you know, story after story of how much this country just does not care if young black and brown children grow up to have the opportunity to pursue their dreams, it kind of makes me extremely apathetic. Not towards my black and brown brothers and sisters, but towards the the children of the oppressors. That's how I feel. I don't want to feel that way, but I feel myself sort of drifting in that manner. And I don't want to. It's a scary place. It's a very, 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 very scary place. Not not a place that I really I really want to be or want to get to. Fortunately though, I do have good news. Um, the panel did decide to overturn their decision. And he's been placed on the list for a heart transplant, which is great. It's absolutely great. But again, I feel like even even with that, we shouldn't, it's like this should not stop here. There should be serious discussion, you know, or serious inquiry into why was he denied in the first place? Why a panel of of old privileged white men 
decided that this young black life was not worth saving. He didn't deserve the opportunity to grow up. That's 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 what I hope happens. Some serious inquiry to find out why exactly he was denied in the first place. I'm happy that he's on the list, but I'm not happy that I still don't understand why he was denied and then why subsequently they decided to change their mind. All of a sudden, after public outcry, oh, yeah, this black life is worth saving. Which just goes to show that they, they, they didn't even change their mind because they wanted to. They changed their mind because people noticed that they that they denied this kid, and they were like, yo, what the fuck? Just goes to show, they they say it's not it's not not worth saving. Sad, it's very fucking sad. And you, again, I, I I keep speaking to respectability. They don't respect black life. They never have, and it'll probably be a long shot before they will. And it's interesting because the this 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 um you find this in all areas, even in movements where you would expect some sort of solidarity, like the feminism movement, for example, except that solidarity is actually for white women. Because as we find far too often in the feminist movement that the voices you hear, the faces you see, the opinions that are considered important, are from people who don't look like me, don't look like my sisters, my mother, or my female co-workers. They don't. It's interesting. Feminism always always is under attack. It's, been, it, 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 it's, it's under attack from white men, black men, and from basically people who have little to no understanding of what feminism actually is. Feminism is not about trying to establish a matriarchy or trying to say that that women are better than men. It's a response. It's a response to the system of patriarchy and male dominance in this country. It's a response to be, to being labeled feminine and being told that basically your whole, because you were born as a woman, this is the rigid standard of which that you have to adhere to. That's what feminism is. But even in the feminism movement, you find that you know issues that affect minority women, women of color, are often ignored or overlooked or said that it's not important. They're not good. This is not good enough or worthy of my attention. You black women, you, excuse me, you women of color just need to fall in line with what I find important. Don't worry about stuff that affects you even if it's my fault. So, Black Twitter, 
if, if you're not hip to black Twitter, you need to go and get hip. You know, start a hashtag, solidarity is for white women. I wanted to read a couple of these tweets, and, and I wanted to, to kind of give a little bit of my opinion on, you know, what I heard or what I got from these tweets. Solidarity is for white women. When there's an article that says the new shades of feminism, yet the only shade that you see in all these women are white women. They're all white. There's no shade. You know, solidarity is for white women. When you call yourself an ally but get defensive when questioned about the lack of intersectionality and feminism. Solidarity is for white women. When you think it's okay for a satirical newspaper to call a nine-year-old black girl a cunt. <laughs> Solidarity for, is for white women having no position on affirmative action. When women of color are treated as teaching tools and resources, but not actual people. Stuff like that. Stuff like that are why this is important. Now, unfortunately, the goal of this is probably going to be overlooked. It's probably going to be misunderstood. It's it's probably going to go overheads as expected. But that's how, that's what happens. Not not everyone gets it. And that's the, that that's why um actual conversations need to be had. Understanding needs to be had. This goes back to the point I made earlier in the show. Understanding, communication. That's the problem with um that's the problem with uh the feminism or excuse me, that's one of the problems with the feminism movement. Now, before I say too much more, I do have to I do have to understand that well for I am a black male and there are certain privileges that that I have as a male. So I don't want to completely go too too far in because my voice on this issue is not the voice that really needs to be heard although I can offer my my voice and my support as an ally to the movement because there are many principles that I that I stand behind as far as feminism and womanism is concerned Now, I lost uh, my train of thought. Whew. So what happens when you do all that talking? You lose your train of thought hella quick. <laughs> um, but, oh, now I remember. Um, it's all too important to illustrate or to um, illustrate the fact that when you, when you, when you look at feminism, Far too often, women of color's voices are not heard. They're, they're, um, excuse me, they, they're constantly being policed as to 
whether their behaviors and whatnot are acceptable, which is really ironic considering the movement is supposed to be all-inclusive. Now, interestingly enough, um, a guy who who's popular um, among the, the white privilege um, department is a man named Tim Wise. Tim Wise. Tim Wise has been featured on Melissa Harris Perry. He speaks all over the country. He's got a couple different books, um, you know, he, he can definitely say some things that, that, that are very much on point, but you know what, Broken Clock is right twice a day, Broken Clock, but Tim Wise tried to troll the solidarity is for white women uh, hashtag by saying this. He tweeted this out. Apparently a handful of irrelevant self-professed radicals think Twitter wars are activism. Uh, no. You are fighting with yourselves. Have fun. Let me be the first as a black male who allies to the feminism movement to raise my right hand, raise my left hand, put down my thumbs, my pinkies, my pointers, and my ring fingers. Now, which one is left? Pretty sure you can figure that out. And with those, with what this one finger means, the first thing I have to say to Tim Wise, won't say it on there because I know that you can probably figure it out. But that's the first thing I. That's the first thing I have to say. My second thing I have to say is. Social media activism is real. And I don't care how much people don't want to acknowledge it or act like it's not there, but all of activism is not going out and pro standing outside protesting and, and whatnot. There are many different roles to be played within the activist within act, the activist movement. There are many different roles. You have, yeah, you have guys that are out there on the front lines. And then you have guys that, that write checks that help fund a lot of the thing, a lot of uh, the events that get thrown. And then you have, and then we live in the 21st century, a technology age. So we're living in a time where you can cause an outcry through social media. You know, overseas... They've had revolutions, revolutions because of social media. That's how people were able to connect and plan social media. They had movements. That's why all of these places, the first thing they want to do is block access to Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, MySpace, and any other social networking site that you think of and can get your hands on. The first thing a lot of these governments are doing are banning these sites, so so stuff like what happened, like what's happened uh, overseas, can't happen. So, just because you don't subscribe to social media activism does not take away from it, and does not mean that it's irrelevant. 
at all. And thirdly, he says that they're fighting with yourselves. No, they're not, because white women don't represent black women. They never have, and they don't have black women's best interests at heart. Yeah, there, you know, there are plenty of white women who, who definitely do ally and, and do take the time out to, to understand the issues that specifically affect women of color. But overall, white women couldn't, you know, they, they don't have, they don't have, uh, they don't, have, they don't give two shits about issues that affect women of color at all. It's the same reason you had you, you had white women coming out the woodworks to defend the onion when they called Quavinjane uh, um, a cunt, even if it was satire, as if that somehow makes it okay. Like, oh, he just called her a cunt. It's cool. They were just joking. No, that's not that's not cool. That's not something that I stand for. That's not something you should stand for. See, that was an unprovoked attack going under the guise of comedy. Come on. Come on now. If that if that's your comedy bit, you probably need to do better. So I re I reiterate the first two things. I reiterate the first two things I said to Tim Wise. And and I hope he goes and kick rocks. Hope he goes and kicks rocks. Speaking of other people that need to kick rocks, I'm going to transition a little bit and bring on one of my favorite segments. Come on, son. Now, this week in Come On, Son, this goes out to Russell Simmons. Now, I I just heard about this literally 10 minutes before I went on there. Literally 10 minutes before I go on there, this was brought to my attention by my colleague, Randa Rhodes, of the RSS feed. I had no clue. I had no clue that this even existed until until just now. Now, apparently... Spike Lee, uh, not Spike Lee, um, Russell Simmons has a YouTube channel called the All Deaf Digital Network or the Ad Digital Network. Now, on this, there's a video called Harriet Tubman Sex Tape in which Harriet's, you know, trying to help a slave escape. And in trying to do that, she decides to have sex with, or excuse me, seduce and have sex with her slave master. I can tell you straight up, those same two fingers I gave to Tim Wise, I'm giving to Russell Simmons. He gets a huge come on son for this because, there's nothing funny about rape or slavery or rape that involves slaves. Anyone who knows anything about slavery or this era knows that knows that slaves were raped. There was no consensual. There was no consensus. Millions, millions of black women 
of all ages were consistently and frequently raped by their slave masters. And for some reason, this nigga has the audacity. I'm sorry, I'm getting angry as as I'm doing this. This nigga has the audacity to create a skit called the Harriet Tubman sex tape? Really? Of all the things to write about, of all the things to bring attention to, this is what you spent your money on. This is this is what this is what you decided. Like the idea was gotten here, and you thought it was brilliant. A Harriet Tubman sex tape, trying to romanticize and 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 make fun of something that happened years ago, that absolutely destroyed the the psyche. Excuse me, the psyche of so many black women and children. And you think that this is funny. I have no respect for I have no respect for folks who do this. You know, comedy comedy used to be used as a form of of activism, as as a form of of, of bringing about um uh, social change, highlighting issues by making people laugh, because the point you're making underneath it is a point that people actually have to think about. Why do you think Richard Pryor was so great? Because what he said was real. Chris Rock, what he says, if you break, if you strip the joke down and get rid of the actual humor aspects of it, you break down exactly what's being said, and you realize, wow. Wow. That's what comedy is supposed to do. It's supposed to entertain, but underneath the entertainment, there's also supposed to be a point to it. And we have people out here making shit like this, making um, videos, sort of romanticizing slavery for the sake of romanticizing it. There's nothing funny about rape. There's nothing funny about slavery. And and, and I don't understand how you as a black man with some relative knowledge of your history and some relative knowledge of, of how black people have been treated in this country since its inception, and you think, hmm, this is the you know the you know the great thing to do with my first YouTube video. Let's joke about slave sex with their slave master. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm down with that. I'm cool with that. That's a great idea. Russell, come on, son. You you need to know better. You need to know better and you need to do better. Because there's no excuse for that. No excuse for that whatsoever. And I don't think, I won't stand for this shit. I, I, just, I, I couldn't even get halfway through it. I skipped ahead in it, and I still, I still could not bring myself to finish. For, for me, 
because for me, I didn't endure slavery, and I, I, I'm not really sure. But just the sheer image, the sheer thought of that angers me. It pisses me off. It puts me in a foul mood. When I think about how I, when I think about how many how many slaves had their humanity stripped from them because they were property, and so their their dehumanization was acceptable because they were property. They weren't people. And you think, and, and for some reason, Russell Simmons thinks that this is brilliant. This is comedy. This would be a funny thing to make a video about. Like, this is some shit that you think of when you're high as fuck chilling in your mama's basement at four in the fucking morning. It's not some shit you actually go out and decide to make a video about. So, Russell, come on, son. Do better. That being said, that being said, let's transition a little bit. I want to talk about one more thing before getting to uh, the roll call and before I play my my new song or a new song off my upcoming project called Alone. Kendrick Lamar. Anyone who knows me knows I love hip-hop. And anyone who knows me knew I was going to have something to say about this verse. Kendrick Lamar dropped a verse the other day on the song Control, which featured, excuse me, by Big Sean, featuring Kendrick and also featuring Jay Electronica. Now, this track has had the hip-hop world buzzing ever since it dropped. Ever since it dropped. Because Kendrick arguably has the verse of the year so far which is a pretty bold statement to make. But one that you could probably you probably could seriously make an argument for. Ken now I'm not a big Kendrick fan. I like a couple of his songs. I like the couple of tracks off his uh Good Kid Mad City joint. But lots of folks are getting so caught up and calling it a diss just because he actually name dropped. But it, Here's the here's the reason I don't have a problem with it. See, name dropping name dropping is an issue if you're a no name and you're trying to say names to get your like to get your shine up. To you know, to get to to throw attention to yourself. Kendrick doesn't need that. He's already arguably the top lyricist of the past couple years. Or one of the top lyricists, top MCs. And He doesn't need the name drop. And, and if you look at it in this context, he's saying, like you guys, but I'm trying to, I, this is competition. And if you step in my lane, you're going to get dealt with, you know, which is to be expected. You know, it's no different than in, in, in sports. You know, when you play a sport, you may be friends with guys on other teams. You may, you know, they may be family. You know, they may be dating your sister. You know, you might have went to high school with them. You, you know, you might have been roommates in college. Something you know lots of these guys, and so you know when you're not on the field or in the off season, you might be chilling with them. You know y'all would be cool, but you know 
soon as the coin flip happens and you put the helmet and your pads on, all that goes out the window because you're trying to be better than them. So it's competition. And that's exactly what this Kendrick verse is. It's meant to be competition. You know? It's calling a whole bunch of folks out saying, hey, step your bars up. And it's huge. Hip hop needed something like this because it's not like it was it's not like it was some underground rapper who who you know mainstream ignores. This is someone in the mainstream actively saying, "Yo, step your bars up. Your bars are trash." Simple, simple as that. Take the challenge. Kendrick, I mean, like I said, Kendrick doesn't have the best or the greatest of rap voices, but. He absolutely demolished that verse. And in this context, I have no issue. It's a beautiful thing what he did for hip-hop. It's an absolutely beautiful thing that he did for hip-hop. And, and I'm very much a fan if this means that we'll get better bars out of a lot of these mainstream cats who have been getting by on dope beats and a decent flow. That being said, that being said, um, now time to kind of transition a little bit. Going to get into the roll call, but before I do that, I want to share my story with y'all. And um, before I share my story with you guys, I, I want to play my song for you guys. This song is um, track number twelve off my upcoming project, "Lines to Stripes, Rhymes to Mics, Volume Three." track is called Alone. This is um, somewhat of an explanation of how I came to uh, my non-belief. Um, this track is not finished, per se. Um, I actually have to edit, uh, do a bit, a couple more edits, but I feel like the track as it stood was, was good enough to put out and at least good enough to play on the show tonight. So um, uh, after I get back, I'll talk a little bit about the song and what inspired it. And um, I'll throw the phone number up so you guys can call in, ask some questions, or just share your story. All right, this is Alone. I went to private school most of my life trying to get closer to Christ. I saw a thought, devoting my life to scripture, making sure I'm quoting it right. Walking never close to the light, but the notes that I write aren't genuine. And so I'm questioning the foundation of the sentiment. Saying, the more I think about it, my thoughts are so crowded. And the more I research, the more that I believe, the more I started doubting everything that I believed. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. How they running shit Convince me that my life is a sunken ship That needs to be resurrected So I didn't wreck it This is the message This on me is a blessing huh. I need to go Cause even if I say I feel Come on I stopped trying to be Christ-like And took control of my own life I stopped trying to be Christ-like And took control of my own life I stopped trying to be Christ-like my life. I went to high school surrounded by the Catholics, agnostic thoughts in my head, I couldn't fathom it. Priest, family, and 
your friends is all passionate about these ideas, but I really wasn't having it. I wanted to believe that book, I really wanted to, but atheism was the reality, my world was coming too. So I put it in perspective, it was hard to accept it, so I started to reject it. Non-believer, free thinker, couldn't push the feelings to the side like a street sweeper. Couldn't bury the emotion in a deep freezer, unable to communicate like a cheap speaker. This is me making sense of the madness, told my friends about it and they're wondering what happened. So I drift into the unknown, friends become strangers and I'm Come on, I stopped trying to be Christ-like and took control of my own life. I stopped trying to be Christ-like and took control of my own life. I stopped trying to be Christ-like and took control of my own life. Later, here I am at 25, the non-believers scaring children like Pennywise. Many died from a faith-filled, troubled life. American history trenched in the blood of Christ. Nothing nice about trying to live puppet-like. Squad don't covet the Bible, only covet might. And it's all okay, so I know I never ever say. Started living for the first time, was never born again. After I realized that I was never born in sin. I was born to win words and my man adequate. It's only my rap versus the immaculate. Mind relief, so I can find peace. Black man who had belief in the divine seat. I found a new home long gone to the days where I stopped trying to be Christ-like and took control of my own life. I stopped trying to be Christ-like and took control of my own life. I stopped trying to be Christ-like it's okay to be an atheist because it's okay to be yourself. It is okay to be true to yourself. I can't stress that enough. I remember my state of mind before I came out of the closet as an atheist. I was a liar. I lied to people that I ministered to. I ministered the Bible and the things that I was taught in the church, but I no longer believed it. I was following the script, and it was okay for me to follow the script because I felt coming out as an atheist was not an option. At that time, when I became tired of the liar I had become, I had no choice but to come out as an atheist. And we're back. And by we, I mean me. I think, yeah, my mic is on. Um, so that was a. Uh, a new track from my upcoming project, Lines to Stripes, Rhymes to Mics, Volume 3. Um, the track, again, is called Alone, um, track 12 um, on my upcoming CD. Um, this is a song that I've been kind of wrestling with for um, a really long time. Um, on my, my first CD that I put out in 2009, 
I had a track on there called Stones at Christ, um, which was pretty much my first actual attempt at, you know, kind of talking about what I, well, talking about my opinion on um, religion and also speaking uh, somewhat about how I came into, you know, my non-belief. But as good as much as I like that song, I don't think I, I went in-depth enough, and I don't think I, I really explained in, in kind of detail, and then at the same time kind of updated, you know, exactly where I stand at, the, at this very moment. So um, I wrote this song a couple months ago, and truthfully, um, the fir- it was nothing but the first verse for the longest time. The first verse and, like, half of the second verse. Um, then as I was entering what I call the final stages of my CD, because I'm in the mixing phase right now, and I finally finished writing it, it kind of allowed me to really kind of rethink and assess, you know, where I was on this, you know. Because I'm honestly at a point right now where I don't think, you know, I don't really think about my non-belief or I don't really think about religion or religious faith or any real, any religious concepts anymore. I mean, I may think of them in relation to something, but them isolated, not really so much. Um, so this song is, is, is a song that I'm, I'm very proud of, and I feel like I, I can be proud of it because it's, it, it's a song, like I said, I've been wrestling with for a while, and I finally finished it, and I finally managed to, like, show people right now at this very moment exactly how I'm feeling and, and what I think. Um, but I can I can share my story and go a little bit more in depth than the, the song itself did. I was raised in a Catholic household. Both of my parents are Catholics. Um, both of my sisters are also Catholic. I was raised in a Catholic household and I never really I never really kind of understood, you know, the whole purpose of going to church. Never really understood the whole purpose of prayer and and all of this stuff. You know, I, I did a lot of it because it was what was expected of me. You know, I didn't understand it but they said I had to do it, so I did it. You know, it was no different than the the Pledge of Allegiance. But I was always an inquisitive kid, even though I, I kept to myself a lot. I, I always thought about stuff. And a lot of this stuff never really kind of made any sense to me. But the way it was explained to me is that it wasn't supposed to make sense because it wasn't for me to understand, just for me to believe. You know, um, I used to ask my my old religion teacher questions all the time. You know, how did how did they have a baby and they didn't have sex? You know, how did a man walk on water? But you can't really walk on water. That's not that's not possible. 
and oftentimes I got you know I got a little I got half-assed answers to these questions. But again, I kept on believing because that is what was expected of me. I was that was I was supposed to believe. Hence, um, hence uh, that's why that's why uh, I went along with it for so long. Um, as I got older, um, and I really started to you know to think about things, stuff really stopped making sense. And truthfully, you know, I found myself just kind of just kind of living my life independent of that stuff. You know, my family, we weren't churchgoers. Like, we went every now and then and for holidays. But, you know, most Sundays we were all in the house getting ready for football. So I never, to some degree, I kind of grew up without really having to think about it that much or without it really ever having any importance to me. You know, I I got baptized. I was I had I had communion and I had confirmation, but I didn't want to do any of that shit. Again, did it because I thought it was uh, I was supposed to. You know, I was like, I'm black. I'm supposed to believe in God. You know, my family does. All my friends do. Obviously, this is something I'm supposed to be doing. Otherwise, people wouldn't be doing it. That was how I rationalized a lot of it. Now, um, whew, sorry. Um, when I got to the age of about, you know, 13, 14, actually, when I got to 14, I really, I lashed out. And I, I, I openly embraced my inner rebel. You know, like I'd always been for a year, a couple years, kind of anti-everything, you know, like when, you know, everyone else was would be obsessed over Usher or all these rappers and me, you know, I'm just trying to play Pokemon with my friends, you know, or I'm just trying to, I'm trying to watch Cartoon Network. I don't really care about TRL. When I got to 14, like I really, really lashed out and I was just like, fuck everything. But when I got to, um, and I, I and 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 to top on top of everything, I was in Catholic school. I had gone to Catholic uh, elementary school, middle school, and I was on my way to a Catholic high school. Now, um, I loved history, and like my teacher, my freshman year. Like, he really engaged me and really, really, really made me interested in history. But the more I learned about history, the more I kind of thought, you know, I I kind of, for whatever reason, juxtaposed that against my my faith. Like, I I couldn't, couldn't really rationalize the problem of evil. It didn't make sense. If if something is all good, how does something that's all good create evil? And even if you were to blame humans for bringing evil into the world, the the all good guy who created the world 
had to establish and had to establish evil at a point where it could be brought about, whether through his own will or through humans. If you don't want evil to exist, you don't create evil. It's as simple as simple as that. And I couldn't really I couldn't rationalize slavery and and the Holocaust. I'm like all these people, my ancestors prayed and prayed and they were still drowned. They were still whipped, lynched, shot, raped, beaten, starved, treated like animals. But yet, he apparently loves us. I couldn't rationalize that. I couldn't rationalize someone who would allow that. You know, I'm supposed to call him my father, you know. I had a father. And he's a great man, but I, I, I couldn't respect my father if that's how my father treats his children, you know. You look at a man nowadays, and I mean, a guy, you look at someone nowadays, and you see that they're allowing their kids to to run wild and and to have all this bad stuff happen to them. And you're like, yo, what kind of parent is that? Like, the way the kids act is a reflection of the parent. And at the time, when I looked at, you know, when I looked at, um. When I looked at you know nine eleven which which had uh just happened, and I looked at you know all these things that had gone out through throughout history i couldn't it couldn't it didn't make sense, but unlike previous times where I was told that I just had to pray about it i I was like this there's no way that this can exist this it's not possible for something like this to exist. It's not. And I went on my Zanga, just goes to show my age right there. Any of y'all out there even know or remember what Zanga is, um <laughs> I I had a, a Zanga post that I wrote uh many years ago. Um basically going off about how there's no way a God that allowed great evil to happen could be an all-loving deity. That it, it wasn't possible. And I said that, you know, the only logical conclusion is that God doesn't exist. Because a, a loving, the God as described couldn't possibly exist and allow all this evil stuff to happen. Nor could he even be all good and completely and, and create evil and then on top of that I said and even if he did exist you know what he's not worth following he's not he's not worth following I I, I did not want to subscribe to someone who could allow shit like that to happen you know I'm not a selfish person I'm all about helping folks and I've been about that my, my entire life and like, it didn't make sense to me, you know. Like I felt, I knew I was privileged, and I knew that I had stuff. But you know, 
I'm walking by homeless people on my way home from school. You know, I'm walking I'm I'm walking by these downtrodden houses, you know. A lot of my schoolmates, you know, wore a lot of the same clothes to school every day because they couldn't afford it. And I'm like, this there's there's no way. There's no way possible. Absolutely no way possible. And uh Raina, I see your call. Um I'm going to I'm going to um take your call in just a second. Let me finish uh this point real quick. And that being said, you know, I I kind of I just kind of said it. I was like I I I don't believe and that was that was that. And I kind of kept it to myself, honestly. I didn't I didn't tell anybody. I just kind of went along with with life as if nothing was the same. I mean, and and honestly, at 14, like, I didn't really understand how, you know, what exactly I was saying. So I found myself sometimes saying and doing a lot of the same stuff. You know, something bad would happen. I'd be like, God, please don't do this or don't do that. It wasn't for another year or two that I had actually completely kind of Washed myself of, of that stuff. And then, you know, the more I the more I started to learn, the more I started to realize that, you know what? It it's not even possible. It's not it's not possible for that deity to exist. God wasn't necessary for my life, so I just continued to not even not even really bother with it. Okay. You got Raina on the line. Wait. Hey guys. Oh, we're a cowboy now. <laughs> no, please don't. You already know where my loyalty lies. <laughs> cowboy Brooks. No, um, <laughs> Anyway, um, no, I, I was just calling in to, uh, you know, to add my name to the roll call. Oh, you know? oh, check you out. But you hit one. Yeah, I hit one. Um, no, I mean, I guess if I was going to say what my story was. Yeah, share um, your story. Briefly. Um, I, I, got I, was, 40, I got 43 minutes to kill. Oh. But you're not to say take up the whole time, but. No, I know, and my story doesn't take 43 minutes, but but I started off, um, I mean, I just, I wasn't raised in a super religious household, but um, I I did, I was a believer early on, I was taught the Bible, but I was very interested in reading the Bible, and like, I think when I was a kid, like, it was mainly the stories, you know, like, there's some, there's some epic stories in the Bible, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, some some really violent stuff. I think one of my one of my children's Bible books actually had like some very violent scenes, you know, depicted. And um, I think I was I was fascinated by some of them. Like, I think I was fascinated by the story of Samson in particular because they had like these epic drawings of like Samson, like you know, with a holding a bloody jaw of a of an ass. You know, 
Um, <laughs> then there was the the other scene where he had like, um, you know, he was in between the pillars and you could see like the muscles and you know what I mean. And like they had even drawn the veins kind of how popping, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it was it was pretty epic. So I got into the stories I think very early on. But um, you know, I got you know, I got like you know the little prayer books and things like that, and I believed in God. And, you know, I thought I thought there was this you know this dude who was kind of looking out for me a little bit, you know, and um, but when I got a, but I started getting older, and some things just didn't make any sense to me, you know, because I was very I was very interested in, I kind of had this idea that if there was this guy that was looking out for me, and he and we're supposed to be like God, and I'm supposed to be looking out for something. And I was like, well, what's the something I'm supposed to be looking out for? And I was like, well, I guess it must be the world around me. And so, like, when I was looking at the world around me, I was like, oh, well, you know, I love animals. You know what I mean? So I was like, maybe I'll be a vet. So when I'm learning about animals and I'm learning about biology and all this stuff, I come across this dude named Darwin. <laughs> and I was like, what is this dude talking about? Obviously God made everything. You know what I mean? And right. in trying, and my first my first experience was after, you know, kind of was trying to reconcile, you know, what I was learning in science with what I believed about God. And I couldn't reconcile the two. So I just figured that maybe it was just, I took the liberal theistic view, which is the Bible holds, um, you know, significant fundamental truths. And that the people oh, who yeah. wrote it didn't necessarily have the language, you know what I mean, to to if if the things that they saw really happened to really account for them. You know what I mean? In in a way that we would interpret correctly. So I said, Okay, well the Bible is just, you know, full of these wonderful stories and these moral lessons, blah 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 blah. So, you know, the next thing was, Okay, well let's get into the lessons. <laughs> Well, when I got to the lessons, I'm like, well, wait a second. You know, like, this doesn't make any sense. And why would, you know, why would the God, you know, destroy people, you know, um, for sins that he already knew, that he knew that they were going to commit even before they were born? Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what kind of God does that? That sounds like a really sick kind of game. You know what I mean? That's like... That's like some saw shit. Like that. Yep. I mean, the Would saw is like the closest game? approximation that I can make to it because at the time I didn't have a saw reference. You know what I mean? Right. But <laughs> it just it didn't make any sense to me. It seemed like some really sadistic shit. And um, you know, so you know, it was that. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe you know, maybe again, this is just a book that was written by some men. You know, blah 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 blah. Fundamental truth, right? <laughs> so right. I'm I'm left with even less of the Bible to believe in than than what I started with. You know what I mean? So I get about seventeen, and I'm like, well, wait a second. Like, I don't if I don't if I'm making decisions about what's good and what's what's bad without the Bible, why do I need the Bible? You know what I mean? And that's when I was out of the Bible. And then just from there, it was just like, you know, studying different religions and, you know, um, I still believed in God, but I didn't believe in, you know, the God of the Bible um, and all that sort of thing. But then I came to several realizations. I was like, well, what good is this God if it, does, it doesn't intervene? It doesn't, uh, it doesn't intervene to stop evil. It, um, 
you know, it, it created the world that, that essentially looks like it left it alone because I was, I was a deist by this point. I was like, so why should I even care? You know what I mean? And so when mm-hmm. I stopped caring, like, I was just, I was calling myself agnostic. So, and then after and then after that, I was like, okay, well, this, the concept makes no sense. And then I was an atheist. and But resisting the label, because I didn't want to be affiliated, you know, with those those people that go around and, you know, all they do is just like, oh, you're stupid. You know what I mean? And blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Um, right. Yeah, and, and that's what held me back for, for so long. But, um, you know, of course now I'm an atheist and <laughs> a lot of people know me because I make some pretty, I've, made, I've had some pretty epic battles with folks um, <laughs> uh, epic over religion, over religion and, you know, various forms of, um, of uh, you know, pseudoscience and, you know, irrational belief or thought. So that's where I am now. I'm just, you know, I'm a skeptical, you know, humanist, feminist, you know, agnostic atheist, which means I'm just trouble. Total trouble. <laughs> I ask questions. I ask questions, and I don't accept what I'm told. I know. I'm just. I'm just a. I'm just a bad woman. I'm. I'm just a you bad know. woman. I don't know my place. Next thing you, you know, know you're going to tell I me just, that she don't go in the kitchen at all. No, I actually cook, but I don't. I cook oh, it's when okay. I feel like it's it. not I all bad. I don't cook on demand. I'm not a. I'm not a short order cooker. Oh, see, anything. now you're messing up again. I mean, it is what it I, is. You know, if you want eggs in the morning, I don't feel like it. You cook your own eggs. That's how it is. <laughs> you know. So, so wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So wait. When I met you, I won't say where we met, but when I met yeah. you. At what at what stage were you? When in, you initially your, met me, yeah. when you initially met me, when you initially ran across me, I was still in that I don't I'm I'm an atheist, you know what I mean? But resisting it, and I was, and I kind of had, I kind of had some back and forth a little bit because even when I was, even when I was sure that there probably was no God, there was an impulse in me. From having been raised, and you know, you know, like I said, it wasn't a strong like faith because I wasn't in a house where like I was like you better believe in God or you know I didn't get slapped like Benita, you know what I mean? Like my mama didn't tell me in, in my mama's you better repeat after me in my mama's house there is still God, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like I didn't have that experience, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it wasn't like anyone has forced it on me per se, but um. You know, it still was kind of with me a little bit. Like, I still wanted something to rely on. I still wanted to believe that there was something that was that was looking out for my best interest and that something would make it all all right at the end, you know. Um, and so that, but, um, that's kind of where I was, you know, when, I, when, we, met, when we met. But, you know, um, progressively, you know, um, through conversations with you and conversations with other people and, you know, evaluating my own concepts, like, I came, I I came fully to the other side. Like, I was, I was, like, 80% on the atheist side, but sticking the toe over to the other side every so often, mm-hmm. you know? Right. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Say, cause I still remember, I still remember thinking, okay, this chick obviously is, like, she's obviously... But then 
I then I, you would you would tell folks you're like, nope, I'm not, and they'd be like, well, yeah. shit. Because mostly, because mostly, because my my experience in knowing about atheists came from people who were interested in not having me become an atheist. You know what I mean? So right. my concept of what it was was like, okay, well, if you say that you're an atheist, you're just as bad as these Christians folk over here. And right. you know, atheists are, are bad people, and they're mean people, and they're horrible people. Baby and, eaters. You know, yeah. Baby, well, not baby. I didn't think they were baby eaters. You know what I mean? But I just thought they were people who didn't necessarily believe in a moral code. I believed in a moral code. You know what I mean? A moral code that came partially from my Christian background, but not entirely because I discarded a lot of the parts of it. You know what I mean? That didn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? Right. But you know, it was I believed in certain things, and I didn't, and I I still felt some connection to you know, the church community that I grew up in and, you know, those traditions, and I didn't want to separate myself entirely. So I felt like if I called myself an atheist, that would just be, like, the final thing. You know, I, my all those relationships would be severed. And they were, in a way. But the thing about it is is that after doing all of that, I, you know, I, I gained something else, which was, like, was authenticity and... Um, I had to, because I didn't have anything else to rely on, I had to start relying on myself. You right. know what I mean? I had to start trusting myself to make decisions. I had to stop dragging my feet and waiting for a quote-unquote answer, which is really nothing but, you know, the last resort. Because cause by that point, you can drop all your options are gone. You just got to go with the one that's in front of you because you've been wasting yep. all your time praying. Right, like, God damn. No other options. This must be God telling me this. Like, yeah, no, exactly. That's, that's, no. Exactly. <laughs> that's just your only option. Exactly. Exactly. That's just your only option or the option that, that now looks the most attractive or the option that will cause the least amount of pain because you waited so long to make a decision. Right. You know what I mean? And that was And that was my problem. And, you know, a lot of things, I mean, a lot of things changed for me. I mean, well, I was already sort of in the process of, change, of you know, becoming more self-reliant and more self-confident and more, you know what I mean, logical and, and all those sorts of things. But, um, you know, I didn't trust myself on a lot of things. And so it was, it was, a, it was an experience, and I'm not going to lie, I was depressed throughout a lot of it. You know what I mean? It's a process, especially for somebody who, you know, in, you know was in the community, like, I, didn't, I wasn't in church every Sunday, but I was a Sunday school teacher for quite a, a while. I was on the choir. I was. And I really you know, can't involved. imagine you as a Sunday school teacher. I was a Sunday school teacher. I did. I taught wow. Sunday school to, to little children. Yeah, I taught them the Apostles' Creed and everything. I still remember the Apostles' Creed, you know. And, oh, and that I makes like you. Huh? So that's you. you. I've I, I forgotten all that stuff. <laughs> Shoot. Shoot, no, seriously. I like, I, God, you don't remember, I, would, I believe in God the Father, heaven, um, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Virgin Mary, uh, died, uh, was crucified, dead, and buried, arose on the third day. You don't remember that stuff? Oh, uh, I remember it when you when you say it. I couldn't okay. say it by heart. <laughs> no, I, 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 really I definitely, I definitely, you know, remember that. I mean, it was. But, see, I was in a church that was, um, it was, it, I was in the AME church, and, you know, a, different AME churches sort of operate differently. Like, I've been to AME churches that are more like Baptist churches, 
But the mm-hmm. AME church that I, the AME church, which was the last church that I actually attended, and the church that I was the, you know, the Sunday school teacher in, and where I was, you know, in the choir and all of that good stuff. Um, it was the pastor there, and I and I would never I would never think to ask him this, but he I think to a certain degree he has to be either agnostic or someone who or someone who's a liberal uh, theist enough to recognize that the Bible is full of holes and full of inaccuracies. But I think he gets some sort of deeper satisfaction from thinking that there's a God or um, being in community with people, Um, good people. Because these were good people. I didn't didn't go to church with a whole lot of people who were, like, highly judgmental, particularly towards the end. You know, I had been in churches like that before. But towards the end, like, I didn't have that experience. So so anyone who ever, like, comes at me with the nonsense, like, oh, well, you just had a bad experience in church, I did not have a bad experience. My last right. experience particularly was good. You know, I I would right. still be there today except for the fact that I don't believe in God. Right. You know what I mean? So I so it's a waste so, of my time. But I would but I would still go there, you know, just to say hello to some folks. You know what I mean? Not yeah, every Sunday. A lot of people you know? are good people. Yeah, they're good people. They're doing and, good you know, work. You form you know, bonds and friendships with them. It's no different than exactly. the other friendship you have. Exactly. Exactly. And um you know, I just remember asking him questions, and it was never any bullshit. You know what I mean? It, he would be like, if he didn't know the answer, he'd be like, you know, I don't know the answer. You know, or um, if he, um, you know, or if he agreed with something that I was like, you know, I don't get this particular story. I don't understand what this is supposed to be telling me, you know. Um, either God is, you know, either God approves of this kind of behavior or I'm supposed to get some sort of deeper meaning from it. So what deeper meaning am I supposed to get from it? You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, these were the kinds of conversations I'd have with him, and he and he would be like, you know, I honestly cannot give you an answer to that. And most of his sermons were, had nothing to do with that type of stuff. You know, you never got anything like, you know, gays are going to hell or anything like that. It was usually some kind of, you know, humanistic kind of message, you know, like do good to your fellow man. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you know, honor your family. You know what I mean? You right. know, that sort of thing. Take care of the homeless. You know what I mean? Like these are the kind of messages I was getting. So like, no one should tell me like I just had a bad experience and that's what puts me out of church. <laughs> right. You know that's 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 like the the common that's like the common thing, common response you get from folks. You either just had a bad experience at church. Or you just stop believing because you just want to go do whatever you want to do and not be judged or whatever the hell. Even though despite the fact that vast majority of people, Christians included, already kind of do whatever they want. It don't make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. They live totally secular lives already. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Or, or far more immoralized than many of the atheists or secularists that they claim, you know, to be the immoral ones. You know. Of course. Where do you get your yeah. Where do you get your morality from if you've, uh, you know, there's no God? Well. And you're like, well, there's two um, ways you can go about it. You can, I can either, yeah. I can either, I can either go down. Like I get it from myself. 
or, you know, we can go back in evolution and talk about, you know, how it's advantageous for us. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and you can, and I mean, and some people still, you know, I mean, there are some people who still find, you know, moral lessons, you know, from various religions, and you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that per se if you're going to, you know, if you if you, if if the if the end result is you're a more moral individual, right? You know what I mean, um, it's it's when you start, it's like when you start imposing, um, so you know, some of your beliefs. As morals that have nothing to do with morality, per se. You know right. what I mean? Like, what two people who aren't, you know, what two people who um, who consent to having sex with one another do in the privacy of their own home. That's not something that you need to have a moral belief about. Right. You know? It's not something that's, you need to be worried about in general. Exactly. It, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect any other person. The only, the only time that it affects um, you or society is when that is not a consensual situation. That's when you need right. to be concerned about it. But as we've seen, um, many of these churches are not concerned even about that because they protect their own. But we're not going to go there. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> so, uh, are there any, no, is I mean, there you can't see me on the choir. You can't see me. You know, I mean, I, I've only heard you sing like once, and and that was a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. Well, I was on the and I, In fact, I, I don't was. even think you knew I was listening, which kind of sounds weird. Oh. But no, I think no. That one time that I that I sang for you, you were listening. I remember. Okay. Well, your memory is better than mine, so I got to give you that one right oh. there. Oh. 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 Okay. You know why I'm saying that, right? I do. You try to insult me. Anyway. <laughs> hey, every broken clock. Uh-huh. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh-huh. Broken uh-huh. clock. <laughs> you, right now you're getting an, an anomaly. This is this is a rare occasion. <laughs> I know. Never it's, happened. It's crazy. I know. This is very strange. It's very yeah, very strange. Just savor the moment. <laughs> mm. I'm gonna try. Savor, I'm gonna savor. try. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I just wanted to call in and add my little story. So. Well, I was actually going to ask you, like, what are your, how do you, what do you think about the community at the moment, or the if you even want to call the atheist community a community? But <laughs> so, you know, oh. it's like herding cats out here. Oh, oh, it's worse than that. Um. You know, I mean, I think there are some people in the community who are doing good things. I think that there are some folks who are, you know, making strides and, strides and um, you know, trying to improve, you know, the environment, um, you know, doing things like, you know, trying to promote, you know, further the separation of church and state, people who are advocating for, you know, women's rights, for, you know, um, for social justice and what have you, and that's great. Um, I do, I have some issues with some people in the in the atheist community, particularly around, um, you know, individuals who are, kind of have some more of the libertarian um, beliefs. Um, a lot of them also happen to be um, heavy into um, white supremacy, although they don't see it that way. Um you know, but just in the idea of um, you know silencing voices 
uh, of individuals who are interested in, in doing work around social justice issues um, in particular, um, and, and, and in particular when those uh, social justice issues intersect with race, um, I find that there's a lot of pushback from certain individuals. Um, and I think that it's, um, I think that there are some incidents that are coming out now um, around um, sexual harassment, um, around feminism, um, you know, around some of these other things that um, that are troubling, you know, that are very troubling. And um, I'm inclined to believe um, some of the uh, some of these accusations that are being made against some of these big names in these big um, organizations. I won't say which ones, um, but I'm inclined to believe them. Um, for uh, for numerous reasons that you and I can talk about uh, on, on you know uh, offline, different time, yeah, like, yeah, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, but I mean, aside from that, I mean, um, I think that there are still issues of representation at some of these conferences and in and some of these organizations and their leadership. Um, yeah. I think I think there's you can I think do a whole a lot of show on that one. Yeah, and um. You know, I think there's, I think there's some issues in in some of the black atheist groups, um, you know, or the um, minority atheist groups that are, are out here. Um, you know, some of the feminist ones have issues with with race. Um, some of the skeptical ones have issues with race and social justice. They can't see past science, you know, as a filter. Yep. Um, you know, some of the black atheists, you know, um, you know, they're they're there's multiple sides to the black atheist issue. Some of them uh, don't see issues of race. They somehow think that um, if one uh, if one believes that we're all Africans, that somehow um, the, the social reality of race disappears, just like many of the mainstream white atheists do. Um, I really hate and that. And then there's some. And then there are some people. Yeah, I hate it too. But then there are some people in the in the black atheist community that are. Um, that are sort of reactionary black nationalist types, um, and they have, you know, um, anti-women agendas, anti-gay agendas. Um, you know, some of them, um, some of them are anti-white even. Um, you know, which, which I mean, which obviously, I'm not even going to lie, concerns me to a far lesser degree than white supremacy. Yeah, I know. Because let's think that racism. Yeah. We say it again. Yeah, I was saying because because of what the reality of what systemic racism is, it 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 bothers me far yeah. less. <laughs> yeah, mostly because I feel like just like with me, you can kind of you can you can understand the attitudes even if you don't completely agree with all of them. Yeah, I can I can no, understand I mean, where some of the hatred yeah. may come from. Yeah. No, and I can understand where some of the skepticism comes in too. Like, um, yeah, you know, there has been a lot of of. Um, some of the language and some of the uh, of skepticism and um, and you know science and 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 these are the things that you know the major organizations for the most part promote you know critical thinking and all that sort of thing. Um, a lot of those things have been used against people of color in particular right. in the past, and so you can understand why some of them are highly skeptical of the of the mainstream agendas. Um, you know. Uh, in these movements, and so you you can sympathize somewhat with the with the attitude or the position, 
but not necessarily with, um, you know, some of the specific beliefs and, and things like that. So, right. I, I, I mean, that's, I think I think that's why it's so important for us to have, you know, folks who look like them, you know, represented in these movements. That's right. you know you that 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 can change the perception of atheism, because like, you know if you if you, if you have if if you're already distrust, <clears throat> excuse me, distrustful of science, and you're super religious, and the only you, the only thing you know about atheists is that ninety nine percent of them are white and they're assholes about you know science and critical thinking and whatnot. That's not really something you're really going to want to subscribe to. At all, that's going to be a turn off of itself. Absolutely, just and, um, and not just and right, and not just. I mean, not just you know. And I and I've failed to mention also, you know, some of the Islamophobia. You know what I mean? That is a turn off Wait, to many. Islamophobia, you know, you know, that doesn't exist. Oh no, it does. Um, and and, and, and you know, and people We're just say all the time. Islam. That's all it is. Yeah, you know, it, some and and some of them are. You know what I mean, and I think some of them sincerely are just critiquing Islam, uh, Islam, and, and and what it stands for. But there's a difference between critiquing Islam and attacking Muslims. And 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 to be and just to be frank, you know, Muslims by and large are people of color. They're people of yep. color, or they're Arabs, they're they're Africans, they're Indonesians, they're you know what I mean. There are they are people who are non-white. And yep. so when somebody makes a statement like, you know, um, Muslims don't have as many Nobel Prizes as, you know, Trinity College or whatever, you know, that is uh, that is a remark that is tinged with some racism, frankly. Right. Um, you know, you're not referring to an institution. It's not like he's, it's not like this person referred to um, Islamic universities. Right. You know what I mean? He referred to Muslims. You understand? And even if he referred to Islamic universities, there are numerous factors to consider, you know what I mean, in, in, in those discussions. Um, you know, for one, um, the totalitarian regimes that we see in the Islamic world are largely due to contact with Western civilizations from, you know, long-term conflicts um, from you know, from the positioning of um, totalitarian regimes in the right. Middle East by Western powers. Um, so when we have these discussions, we have to we have to consider these factors um, in in the in, you know in these in, in these talks because otherwise we're just affirming white supremacy. Right. But a lot, a lot of these folks are, un, are uneducated, and you know, you know, people. I want to say people in general are simplistic, but a lot of people are simplistic in their approach to this. They're ignorant mm-hmm. to a lot, and they're okay with being ignorant to a lot because they feel like they already understand all they need to know. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, if you want, if you want a, um, if you want sort of a watered down, um, you know, easy to swallow semi-comical, um, you know, reference, you know, to this information, you can watch a movie like Argo. You know, there is reference to what I'm talking about. I haven't seen it yet. 
yeah, if there is a reference in the beginning of Argo to, um, you know, to what uh, sort of Western imperialism and, and um, has, you know, has it, it's a, what its effect has been in the Middle East um, or North Africa, uh, rather, um, you know, and, and, and what it has meant for, for, for these sorts of conflicts and how these things have come about, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, we have to consider these things, you know, these these are just, these are discussions that have to talk about imperialism, have to talk about resources, have to talk about the influence of, of, of Western corporations, you know, even apart from, um, you know, you know the government sort of imperialism, but the economic imperialism, you know. Right. So we have to consider these these things when we talk about, you know, Islam and and um, and Muslims and 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 sort of what the impact of fundamentalist Islam has been and. And how how we got there because a lot of these countries did not were not looking like this in the 1970s, you know. Um, right. You know, Afghanistan was on its way to modernizing, you know. Um, you know, so these are or, or in the 1960s rather, you know, it was on a, the 1960s, 1970s. They were on their way to modernizing. Where are they now? You know what I mean? Yep. This was not always, always the case. Yeah. So we have to think about these things. Yep. So. This is why I always got to stress for education. Again, and, also, and that's and kind of to, Oh, I was also going to say, and it's also we also have to consider, you know, that there's, you know, some cultural, um, racial, you know, um, institutional, um, and, and, and sort of other forms of bias that goes into uh, what determines who gets nominated for Nobel Prizes and who receives Nobel Prizes. So we have right. to keep that in mind, too, you know? Yep. And I was going to say the last thing, because uh, critique of the – it's always it's also interesting, critique of the – if you critique how – excuse me, if you look at how the two different religions are, are critiqued or spoken about, Christianity is, is critiqued with a with way more respect than than Islam. Christians don't don't really receive. I, I want to say as awful criticism or stereotypes as Muslims do. I think for two reasons, <laughs> and the two reasons are as follows: Christianity is part of Western culture. You cannot talk about Western culture without talking about Christianity. Period. You know, even if you talk about the secular elements of Western culture, you are still dealing with Christianity, because um, right. even some of the the, the the secular principles that we hold dear, you know, were um, were founded or um, built upon, you know, um, built on rather uh, the work of some Christian thinkers. Um, our art, you know, our our the our ideas about objectivism. You know what I mean? All of these sorts of things, they come from Christianity. The other part is is that they also have, when we're talking about Christianity, by and large, um, when we're talking about the West, we are in, we are sort of in a paradigm that is dominated by uh, Europeans or European descendants. You know, the, yeah. the major church in Christianity is what? The Catholic Church. And you're either Catholic or you're Protestant. And there are a handful of of churches that exist outside of the European culture 
or, or Western European Western culture. You know, you have the Coptic Church, which is very small. You know, um, you have you have an ortho, you have a, you have a, a European Orthodox Church, which doesn't really affect people of color very much. You know, and pretty much all of the um, traditions that people of color have with respect to Christianity come out of either the Catholic Church or the Protestant Church. Period. Right. Um, so there's so there's um, still the sort of Western cultural affinity there. So you have to kind of examine it from that perspective. Islam has not been influenced by um, you know the the Renaissance and by the Enlightenment and you know all of these sort of Western ideals. And um, for that reason, it, it's um, because it's, it stands sort of opposed. In, in some people's minds, it, it, it appears oppositional. Um, they're hostile towards it, right? You know, and and don't get me wrong, I'm hostile towards a lot of elements that I find in in, in Islam, but I'm hostile towards a lot of elements I find in Western culture and 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 in Christianity in particular, um, right? You know, but standing against elements within Islam and standing against elements within Christianity does not mean that I am um, against Christians, yeah, or, 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 or that I'm against Christians or I'm against Muslims. You know, I'm right. against I'm against what I'm against many of their beliefs, but I'm not against the people. Not unless the people, people themselves, are, you know, right? Yeah, not unless those people are like you know horrible individuals, like you know some of these evangelical ministers who try to like you know de gay people, but actually end up fucking them up even worse. You know, oh, like of course, those yeah. people. Yeah. All right. Well, I got about seven minutes. I'm about to put you on hold so I can get ready to end the show. Well, it's okay. Um, I'll talk to you later. All right. Deuces. <laughs> Although, stick around because I've got uh, because I've got uh going to play a song. Actually, wait. I have another caller. Seven seven three. Hi, this is Cheryl in Chicago, and boy, I raced home to try to get in on a conversation, and did I miss everything. So hi, everybody. Oh, gosh. Well, hi, everybody. I just want to say hi and at least let everybody know, Kim, if you're there, I'm alive. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um. Gee, I guess I don't really have anything to say. I was going to reply to something that I was listening to just a couple of seconds ago, but it's okay. I'll have to just do it on the next. Uh, uh, on the ne- getting yeah, out of breath. I'll have to do it on the next call. So go go ahead and end your show. And bye, everybody. <laughs> All right, hey, thanks for calling in. Sure, no problem. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, getting down to the last. Uh, six minutes or so of the show. This has been um, another edition of the Breakbeat. Um, I'm going to end the show with by, by playing uh, the song I played earlier um, in my show. Uh, remember, we're here to educate, entertain, and enlighten you all and, and hopefully give you new perspectives to consider. Um, go check the archives. Like give a Lots of uh, great shows. Check us out on iTunes. Um, 
special shout out to Raina for calling in, for Cheryl who who just called in a couple seconds ago. And um yeah, that's that's about it. So just remember in two weeks we have uh I'm gonna be doing a show on uh race relations at these Otaku gamer conventions. Um, and if you have no idea what any of that's about, then I definitely encourage you to, to listen in because it's a subject that, as far as I know, has never really been discussed on this show. And, um, yeah. So with that being said, we're going to end this with my new song called Alone. All right. Peace out, everybody. private school most of my life trying to get closer to Christ a sewer thought devoting my life to scripture making sure I'm quoting it right walking never close to the light but the notes that I write aren't genuine and so I'm questioning the foundation of the sentiment saying the more I think about it my thoughts are so crowded and the more I research the more that I will read the more I started doubting everything that I believed and it hit me like a ton of bricks started running shit Convince me that my life is a sunken ship that needs to be resurrected So I didn't wreck it This is the message, this on me is a blessing huh. I need to go cause even if I say I feel Come on, I stopped trying to be Christ-like And took control of my own life I stopped trying to be Christ-like And took control of my own life I stopped trying to be Christ-like And took control of my own life Surrounded by the Catholics, agnostic thoughts in my head, I couldn't fathom it. Priest, family, and friends was all passionate about these ideas, but I really wasn't having it. I wanted to believe that book, I really wanted to, but atheism was the reality, my world was coming to. So I put it in perspective, it was hard to accept it, so I started to reject it. Non-believer, free thinker, couldn't push the feeling to the side like a street sweeper. Couldn't bury the emotion in a deep freezer Unable to communicate like a chief speaker This is me making sense of the madness Told my friends about it and they're wondering what happened So I drift into the unknown Friends become strangers and Come on I stopped trying to be Christ-like And took control of my own life I stopped trying to be Christ-like And took control of my own life Stop trying to be Christ-like And took control of my own life Years later, here I am at 25, the non-believers scaring children like Pennywise. Many died from a faith-filled, troubled life. American history trenched in the blood of Christ. Nothing nice about trying to live puppet-like. Why so don't covet the Bible, only covet might. And it's all okay, so I know I never ever say. Started living for the first time, was never born again. After I realized that I was never born in sin. I was born to win words to my man adequate. It's only my rap verses be immaculate. Mind relief, so I can find peace. Black man who had belief in the divine seat. I found a new home long gone to the days where I stopped trying to be Christ-like and took control of my own life. I stopped trying to be Christ-like and took control of my own life. I stopped trying to be Christ-like. 
Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.